Elon is Elon. Like, if you watch his interviews online, you'll get a decent sense for the thing I'll say about him is he's extremely authentic. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Man Talks Podcast. My name is Roger Nairn. And I'm Connor Beaton. Today's guest is Mr. Tim Urban from the blog Wait But Why. He's a blogger, researcher, artist, comedian, perfectionist, multi-potentialites, all sorts of things. It's it's an absolutely incredible opportunity to get to talk to him. In 2013, childhood friends Tim Urban and Andrew Finn made a bet that thoughtful and meaty blog articles could garner a viral following just as easily as the listy and stock photo-y and clickbaity content that clogs millions of browser sidebars. So his blog, Wait But Why, was born. In Wait But Why, Tim Urban demonstrates that complex and long-form writing can stand out in an online wilderness. With wry stick figure illustrations and occasionally epic prose on everything from ISIS to artificial intelligence to the dark secrets of the bird world to Elon Musk, Urban's articles have proven their bet correct in spades. Since its launch, Wait But Why has garnered over 40 million unique page views, thousands of patrons, and famous fans like, as mentioned, Elon Musk, who who invited Tim to the Tesla factory, which inspired Tim to write everything you could possibly know about the alternative energy revolution. In February, Tim spoke at the Global TED Conference, and his TED Talk titled Inside the Mind of a Master Procrastinator has already garnered almost a million views on TED.com. So we're so, so lucky to get a chance to talk to him today. Connor, before we get started, is there anything you uh, picked out of this interview? Yeah, actually, um, a huge shout out to one of our former guests, Jonathan Becker, who actually showed me Tim's blog a while ago. And I've never been a huge blog person, but I have literally spent late nights reading his blog. There's some really great insight on how to start an online presence in this conversation. There's some really great insight into how to actually find your voice online. So there's there's some really great pieces in this. And Tim is just an exceptional guy to listen to. And he's funny. He talks about Elon Musk and meeting him. So, you know, that's, that's something. Sold. Sold. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's get started with Mr. Tim Urban. Hey, Tim, welcome to the Man Talks podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks, guys, for having me. Awesome. Before we get started, we always like to ask our guests a very important question, that is, and that is, can you share with us a defining moment for you as a man? Yeah. Well, let me think about that. I would say if I had to kind of say one moment that was defining, especially kind of defining what I currently am and what I currently do, it would be the moment when I stopped doing creative endeavors on the side while doing kind of a more entrepreneurial career with my main time and kind of wishing I were doing something more creative and always doing them on the side and always telling myself that yeah, at some point I'll go full time and then not doing that. There was one moment when, you know, mid 2013, I finally did it. Finally um, made the jump and started writing Wait But Why full time. I had actually blogged before that, always on the side, on a different blog. And I knew I could do better if I just had more time. So that was the moment when I said, let me try one of these creative things I'm doing full-time. Decided to go with blogging. It was uh, a move I'm really happy I made. And I feel like I'm living a much truer to myself life now than I was before that. Awesome. So you sort of you sort of burn your boats. Yeah. I mean, I, I not fully. Uh, I kind of did it in a way that, uh, that didn't require nearly as much... Um, uh, as much guts as I as I uh, as a lot of people would have to, because I uh, I, I had a business that was was supporting me while I started it, and uh, 
and and I kind of did it with my business partner in that he ran our business while I started this thing kind of for both of us. That was the idea. So I can't quite say, yeah, you know, I finally just jumped off the cliff because I didn't really, I, um, I had the safety net of the business I had already started and I had, um, someone running that. So I didn't have to give it up and I didn't have to, you know, I watch it go down the drain. And I had, uh, I had uh, financial support for the, for a little while. Now the blog fully supports me, but it, you know, it took a while. And so I had it easier than most people that would want to make that choice. That said, I would still say it's a defining moment because, you know, you can still talk about this and I, I and, and, and not do it. And I, um, to, it's kind of a weird arrangement we have. And to make that happen, I really did have to kind of not let go of what I knew I wanted to do and keep pushing and, and, you know, eventually still take the action to do it and to put the time in. Uh, early without knowing whether it was going to work. So I would still call it a defining moment. Very cool. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. I, you know, it sounds like I, I call this building your runway, right? Where, you know, if your business or your passion or, or whatever you, you have is your airplane, you got to build yourself the runway in order to take it off. And I think what a lot of people do is they, you know, they often just jump ship completely. They'll just be like, okay, I want to go start a blog. And so they'll just peace out from their job. And then they have like a one month, like 30 or 60 day runway in order to build that and, and monetize it. And sometimes it's just not realistic. So I like, I really like that you built your runway because I've done that with man talks as well. Right. Well, you know, it's a hard one because on one hand, I remember someone said to me once, you know, those who have a fallback plan fall back. And I thought that was really insightful and probably true in a lot of cases. Uh, and that, you know, you have to feel that desperation. You have to kind of jump off the cliff with no fallback plan, blah, blah, blah. And I think there is something to that. That said, that's not how it worked for me and a lot of people I know, actually. I do think that, you know, for me, there was still that inner desperation and that I wasn't going to be happy if I just didn't do this. And, and that wasn't going to go away. And I was, you know, 31 when I started this and it had been 10 years since college and it hadn't gone away, the itch to be doing something more creative. So, I think that I still felt that desperation, even though I did have a fallback plan. And like you said, uh, a lot, a lot of the time, whether it's something, whether you want to do something entrepreneurial or something in the arts or whatever, you do need a runway. You you need to be able to have an actual game plan that you can carry out over a decent amount of time. And if um, yeah, if you're if you're you know people who move out to Los Angeles, I moved out there after college, and people who move there to say, yeah, I'm gonna I'm I'm, I'm coming out here to start a, a career in acting and directing and film scoring and whatever. I'm just gonna give it two years and see what happens. Like that's that's never gonna work. It's just not gonna happen. You know, runways are critical. So I, I don't really know what I feel about the advice because it really. Both sides of that have some truth to me. Right. Yeah, I think it really depends on the person and, you know, what they're what they're ultimately the most comfortable with, right? Like some people really thrive off that burn the boats and just go for it. Like that leap in the net will appear while other people, you know, they need to build that runway in order to take off. So, you know, maybe it's just an individual base of where they actually thrive. Yeah, exactly. So, so let's chat. Let's chat about uh, wait, but why? You know, for the for the listeners out there that that haven't been to the site yet, so you know, the history goes that you made a bet with a friend that thoughtful, meaty blog articles could garner uh, a a, lo- a larger viral, you know, more viral following than just the the clickbaity type uh, type stuff out there. Where did the whole idea of wait, but why come from? I mean, you know, it's one thing to say that that that, that would do better than most, but where did the the writing come from and, and the time? Spent spent to do all that yeah so I, I had a lot of experience blogging i actually wrote like 300 blog posts uh, throughout my 20s just on the side on a blog that had a, actually a, a pretty 
small, a small, but like fairly passionate following. They commented, they liked it, but you know, it was under a thousand people total. Uh, you know, no one you've ever, you know, has ever heard of. And I knew I liked it. I knew that I had a knack to do that, to do, to like write a, you know, an engaging blog post. And, but you know, I also was doing other things. I was, I was running a musical. I was working on, um, you know, other things outside of, uh, my, my full-time job on weekends and, you know, stuff that, that was, that was creative. That was not blogging as well. And, and the thing that was interesting about, you know, I knew I wanted to dive into something full-time, one of these creative pursuits. Um, and the thing, one of the things that made this interesting was that my business partner, who's my oldest friend, uh, Andrew, we've known each other since we were five, we had started this ed tech, you know, tutoring company, a lot for uh, international students and want to go to college in the U S you know, we started that in, um, 2007 and we've been working together and, you know, he was aware that I wanted to dig, dig into something creative and, we, but we wanted to figure out a way to keep working together. Cause we like working together while like a musical is not a really great business endeavor. It's just not, even if it succeeds, it's really usually not. And, and, and a lot of the other things that I, I was doing really weren't a compelling business endeavors. It was an interesting thing thinking about the blogging, because that was, as we talked about it, we said, that's something that would really excite me creatively. And it also is a compelling potential business to have a, to build a big platform. And so he kind of said that that's all I need to know to just say, yeah, go for it, go, go, you know, get, get it started and I'll run this and let's see what happens. And so that, that was a nice thing because it was a way to kind of keep working together, but also to do something. So that, that's like where that came from. And then the, the, the hypothesis we both had was just that the, yeah, the the Facebook and uh, other places where people find articles to read, they're just flooded with content, but it's not often that great. Um, it's not the business model of the Buzzfeeds of the world to write articles that take 60 hours. It's just not what they, it's not a good move for them. So instead they put out a lot more quantity. Uh, they put out a ton of quantity and some of them are good. Some of them are not so much, but there's very few articles that, you know, I would find on my news feed that I would say, that's, that was great. Like I need, I just want to read that. I want to read that again in a month. I need to send that to people. You know, that, that was really rare. And it, when it did happen, I found that those articles made the rounds. They really, you know, a great New York times op-ed, a really good thing in the New Yorker, really great Michael Lewis article. You know, one of those, suddenly everyone I know is sharing it. And I, so we kind of, I think what you're describing is that perfect blend of storytelling and educating. Yeah, I can't just be it can't just be education. It has to have some some heart to it, some some meaning to it, uh, some substance, but it also should be a good time to actually read it. You shouldn't feel like you're doing work and then after say, well, I'm happy I read that, but you know, it was a chore. So it has to you have to make it like a good time to actually be reading a long substantial post. That that was the idea. Yeah, so so we, you know, I got it started and I started just writing about whatever interested me. So that that sometimes was you know, social observation stuff about, you know, awkward social interactions. And sometimes it was about um, why we've never seen aliens and why we, you know, what, what, what that means and what, what the answer could be there. And sometimes it was artificial intelligence or sometimes it was why I procrastinate so badly. And it kept it really broad. And each article, just the thing that they all had in common is they all took me like 60 hours. Like they all took me in a huge amount of perfectionist time working on it until I felt like it was a great article or at least I had a shot to be. That was the business model. Really low quantity, really high quality, because that's where that's where we could beat BuzzFeeds and others, you know, at, at the quality game. We're not going to be anyone at the quantity game unless we raise a whole lot of money. So try to beat them at the quality game. The unfair advantage I had was that I could work 60 hours a week blogging. Very few people can do that. And so we said, let's run with that. Plus, I'd had a lot of experience. So that was kind of the basis for it. Yeah, I think it really stands out in a you know, in a market that's just saturated with clickbait and nonstop content. I think one of the things that really, <clears throat> I should probably preface this with, I never read blogs up until yours. I literally never read blogs. I just, I had no interest in them. And yeah. 
Um, and even stuff like, you know, BuzzFeed and the, and the news feeds and stuff like that. It's just never interested me. And I think one of the things that really hooked me about, about your site and about your blog and wait, but why is not only the, the idea, but the very clear fact that you do a deep dive into a specific topic. And, and you admit that you don't know what you're talking about. I mean, you're, you're essentially oh, yeah. opening up the viewer, you're, you're opening up the reader into your, your learning process. Yeah. I think there's a, there's a certain level of humility that, allows the reader and I'm just speaking from my own experience and people that I've talked to about your about your blog is that it, it allows the reader to very much feel like they're having a conversation with you you know you're not pretending to like teach them about something it's just an educational um, it's like an educational platform where you're like this is these are the things that I know that I've discovered that I've researched but I don't by any means have all of the answers and I invite you to contribute to you know, creating this. And I think that that's one of the really, really powerful uh, avenues. And it's it's actually almost like a TED Talk, which you've recently done here in Vancouver, because it's very much like an idea we're sharing, right? Like you, you dive into an idea. And one of my favorite blog articles that you wrote was about artificial intelligence, because it was just so engaging. And you take this really complex really in-depth topic and you do it in a way with like stick figures and stuff like that it's just so engaging you have a really good flow so i'm curious well, thank you. i'm glad you feel that way i mean yeah it, to me it's part of the same thing i said before where it's kind of like the make you know you have lemons make lemonade thing it's like okay mm. Uh, you know what? I don't have uh, staff money, <laughs> any know-how on how to run a content business. Right. I, I have none of this. I don't, I don't know how to do analytics. I don't know how to. I have no social media experience, so I have a lot of lemons there. But what I, you know, again, I was like, but what? Okay, so what? What is my unfair advantage? Where? Where can I be an A plus in this thing? And I was like, oh, okay. If I spend sixty hours doing something, you know, so that was one example. And then what you just said is another, where I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm not an expert. You know what? I don't have expertise on anything at all. And, you know, I didn't get a PhD. I didn't go to grad school. In college, I was dicking around more than I was um, uh, learning things. I, I, I've been an avid learner on my own my whole life. I love reading. I love learning. I'm incredibly curious, but I'm, I've never gotten formal expertise. And so so I said, okay, well, let's just run with that. And what, what do I have that I can offer really well? Well, maybe I can run with the fact that rather than try to be yet another expert writing about something that they're an expert on, I can kind of Right from a different perspective, as uh, as your friend who just happened to spend forty hours reading about something, who's at dinner with you now, and he cannot believe all the things he needs to tell you about this. That's kind of the model, you know. It's like, okay, well, let's run with that because that's what I can do. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think it's great because it, it helps you really stand out in the crowd, right? And and I think you know, if you're going to give one piece of advice to you know the listeners out there who maybe have started their own online platform or are looking at do that doing that. What would what would be like the one thing that you would want to share with them about when you started your blog and and the approach that you took that's made you so successful? Yeah, um, so I, I actually get this question a lot on email, and you know, there's, I, I try to always respond to those emails because I think you know, I just I feel like I've learned a lot in doing this that I do think I have advice for people who want to start something. And the main thing, the main advice I would give is the advice I would give to kind of people starting almost anything in life. Uh, they want to start dating someone that they want to start a business. They want to, uh, you know, get out of their job, do something else. It, it, to me, 
the advice for almost any endeavor comes down to um, the what, what the thesis of a post that I wrote called the, the Cook and the Chef, which is about what I I learned from Elon Musk. And it's you know I kind of the whole time I was working with Elon, I said, what is it that makes this guy so um, amazing and so so successful? It's not just that he's smart. It's not just that he's rich. It's not just that he's ambitious. There's a lot of people with those things, and there's very few Elon Musk. So to me, it was it was about how he thinks and 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 how much he trusts his own kind of brain software to come up with his own reasoning and his own pathways. And, and it's a two, it's a two way thing. It's his own, he trusts himself, but he also has learned the really critical lesson that the world is not that impressive, that most people are just copying what other people are doing. And they're, and those people copy what other people are doing themselves. And it just goes in this long chain of copying when you, when you realize that it stems back from something that made sense in the seventies and we're all still doing it or made sense to some, someone and just, and now it's kind of, but makes no sense, but we're not thinking about it. Um, and so we just, we just do it and we assume that this is how things have to be. And if you just take a big step back from that and say, um, well, what do I actually think? And if I disagree with that, to trust that and say, well, if I disagree with that, I- I'm as smart as any conventional wisdom out there and realizing that if I, if I'm looking at saying, so, oh, you know, there's, um, there's so much content, for example, there's so much content out there. Uh, and all these companies that have all of the, this, um, this know-how and this research, and they say it's all about quantity. You have to put out tons of articles. And, you know, if I'm being uh, what I call a cook about that, which is, you know, a cook follows a recipe, a chef writes the recipe. If I'm being a cook about that, I'm going to say, well, that's what you have to do. That's, that's clearly what people do. And, um, and instead, my, my, you know, the thought that Andrew and I had was kind of, I, I don't know, I, I kind of think if you do something really low, qual- low quantity, high quality, um, it could really catch not just a little bit, but like a lot. And it, and it was the key to be able to run with that kind of intuition against conventional wisdom at the time. And so what I would say to, back to the original question, just be in chef mode as much as possible. If you like writing about this kind of thing, if you like, you know, again, another thing is everyone said you can't write long articles and they, it won't go viral. But these long articles on Waypo Why, they do go viral. And so it's, it's, it's just to ignore what seems like the, the, the norm or what people say you should do and just to sit there and think what kind of articles would i want to read what kind of things would i like and then there's a lot of other people out there like me which is why when i tell people when they email as i say basically picture a hundred thousand of you and you're writing articles for them for literally clones of yourself okay what would you do you know exactly what they already like you don't have to uh do any focus groups. You already know that. So just do that. And there's a lot of other people out there who agree with you. But let's, let's be honest. There's a lot of uh, writers out there these days, you know, especially in the, uh, in the online world that are, they're writing, you know, they're writing maybe daily or weekly and, and, and not all their stuff is, is great, but they're, they're, they're just getting content out there. And chances are halfway through writing the article, they might be thinking to themselves, yeah, this, this article's crap, but at least there's going to be another one around the corner. You know, what you're doing though, is you're putting 60 hours into each of your articles. What do you what do you say to yourself? Because I'm sure it comes up sort of halfway through. Where you're like, I don't know if anybody's going to read this or like it. You know, do you have a, do you have a way of getting through that? I mean, I think that every single article, uh, every article, I go into a dark place and think, why am I? Why did I pick this topic? Well, what am I doing? This is this is this is not good. People, are, this is, uh, you know, this is when it all comes down. This is when I'm going to be exposed. Um, and um, and it, you have to just fight through that and know that you know your original instinct taken on plus a lot of time, will end up with something good. Not, not, not every way article is good by any means. So you're going to do bad things. You can't be scared of that. But um, but you have to kind of, just, I guess, trust yourself. And, and your initial thesis should be, I think I can be great, not good, but great at 
you know, blank. Okay. If I'm blogging, I think I can do something great that stands out. Well, maybe that's writing five little articles a day on something. Great. You can do that really well. But what you shouldn't do is write, you know, two articles a week on something you're interested in where it's, there's, there's no reason that it's heading in a direction where it could eventually stand out. Obviously, at the beginning, no one is that good. I, I wrote 300 blog posts before I wrote Wait But Why. Um, so you can't, you know, you can't worry if you're great yet. But it, if, if, if you realize that even if this goes as well as possible, it's, there's not any reason it would stand out. Um, then it's, you can have it as a hobby, but it's unlikely to catch fire. Um, you know, you have to do something that people read, people get there and they say, oh, I love this. This is so good. Um, you know, what, even if it's only 1% of people think that is you have to have 1% of people that will feel that way about what you're doing. You know, and again, you have to trust your own instinct. If you, even if, even if your idea about what you can be great at is that other people don't necessarily agree, you have to, you know, trust that and, and, and run with it. And, you know, the whole idea of trust, uh, I, I love, I love, you know, what you're just saying. And I, and I couldn't help but think back to your, your Ted talk that you just, uh, just did recently, because at the very end, you, you bring up on the screen, this whole idea of a, of a life calendar. And essentially it's, it's representing one box for, for every week in a 90 year life. And it's, it's, it, it's not a lot of boxes when you, when you kind of visualize that. Um, and essentially the, the, the crux of it is, you know, um, try do do you know do what you can to put out good things into the world but you know but if you're procrastinating on something for example you need to fight through it or start starting it today um you know going to your going to your ted talk what was that experience like i know that's a broad question but uh would you do it again it's stressful because you know i i've in the last year year and a half i've started to do a lot of talks um usually i was terrified of any talk at first and now i've gotten comfortable with this kind of talk i do which is you know, for a group of people, maybe it's 50, maybe it's 500, but it's either way, it's just for those people. And if it's terrible, those people will think that that guy is shitty and that's fine because I'll never see them again. And so they, it's, it's, it's you know, they, there's, the stakes aren't that high. And, and so then that makes, allows me to relax and I can just talk through my stuff. And then it, it turns out fine because you just end up like a human and you can just relax. And especially since you usually have longer, I have 30 minutes or 60 minutes which means you don't have to be that tight with your words. You can kind of just go and talk through your thoughts. Ted is totally different. And just as I'm getting comfortable with the other kind, you know, this, this, the Ted thing springs up and it's not a talk for a bunch of people. It is widely distributed short film and you're the only actor and you get one take only. And it's just an insane thing to take on. I don't know why anyone does that. And as I was doing it, I was saying, I can't believe I took this on. Why is anyone do this because you, yeah, it's just like your, your, your thing is going to be out there forever. It will seen by everyone, you know, and I think, I think your, people, your videos are almost being, we're at 978,000 views so far. Yeah. That's like an insane number. Of people. It's like 37 <laughs> way parts full. And if I, you know, when I would think about that, I, I would, I would like have a full panic attack because it's not like, you know, if you're doing something for that many people in the world, think about any time, a human is doing something for a million people. Okay. That means that they're so incredibly good at it. Like if, you know, they're, they're a rock star whose music is so good that they've reached that many fans. They're, you know, an author who's so good that the people who do Ted talks aren't good at it. They're amateurs. And so, so suddenly I'm going up there. I've never done anything this stressful before. I'm not an experienced speaker. I have no experience doing a tight 14 minute, you know, memorized talk. And yet you're doing it as if you're, you know, doing the thing, you know, you're speaking for a million people. So it's, 
it was super stressful. That said, now that it's done, yeah, I'm happy it happened. It's done. <laughs> so, so um, Con- Connor here is what two weeks away from giving a TED talk. Uh, it's at the end of May. <laughs> so, sorry, month away uh, from giving a TED talk at at uh, TEDx Stanley Park here in Vancouver. That's and so he's he's sweating bullets right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I, I watched I, I the, watched the you. Is, there, there is one way you can you know there's one thing you can do to make sure it goes okay to to take the variables out of it, Valiant. which is you know, which is you. It, you have to spend an unbelievable amount of time script writing a script that you love and then memorizing it just memorizing it as if you're going on a broadway stage to perform a play but you're, you're about but you, to go in you have to as well as the you do as well as actors do when they're doing a play you have to memorize it that in that case you know once you're once an actor knows their lines they're not stressed anymore they like going up there and, and so you have to get to that level then you can basically ensure that it goes well but that takes a huge amount of time so you know, you have to figure out if you, if you're, it, 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 I needed to do that. Some people might be confident enough uh, as a speaker and experienced enough to just go up there and kind of know what they want to say and kind of talk through it. But I certainly not, was not in that situation. Yeah, no, it's, um, I mean, I, I used to be an opera singer, so I used to have to memorize like German and Italian and Russian and all these different languages. And so I'm used to memorizing, but this is, this has been very different. I've never rewritten something so many freaking times ever in my life. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. But it really I, is, it really is a beautiful D, process. D, yeah. Yeah. Um, so Tim, I'm, I'm, I'm so curious, what was it like to meet Elon Musk? Because in your, you know, in, in the article that you did on Elon Musk, you, you profess that he's definitely one of your idols. So, and you know, that was, must've been a very surreal moment, but what was it like? What, what is he actually like in, in real life? Yeah. Um, he's, um, he's Tony, he's okay, Tony well, Stark. He, he, it's, he's not though. Tony Stark is like, like really cool and <laughs> and like Elon is Elon. Like if you watch his interviews online, you'll get a decent sense for the thing I'll say about him is he's extremely authentic. Like the way when he's when he's um uh, giving an interview and you watch it on YouTube or whatever, he means everything he says. And if you and, and and if you were his best friend in the world and you asked him that question in private, he would just give the same exact answer. And so and one one end there weren't a lot of surprises because I'd watched a bunch of interviews before. When I met him, I kind of like you know, I knew what he thought about a lot of things already. Um, but the thing that I will say is, you know, in interviews, he's often a little bit more buttoned up. You know, I think he's been burned a decent amount of times by, you know, just people taking him out of context, like any any famous person has probably dealt with. And um, so he's a little bit more reserved in interviews, even, if, even though he always will say the truth, uh, just in his demeanor. But I found that in person, once he kind of warmed up and loosened up with me, he's just kind of like a pretty normal guy, like a really, he's just kind of like, uh, uh, he just likes, like things that like a geeky 18 year old likes a lot of the time, like he's watched every episode of South Park. And he loves the Simpsons. And he like, loves like, you know, like, silly parodies. And, um, and so, um, it just kind of struck me that sometimes because I, you know, I got to spend a decent amount of time talking to him over the you know six months I was writing this series, and um, I would often kind of forget who I was talking to. It would just be kind of like you know shooting the shit with um with this guy who knows a bunch of stuff, and we're talking about you know the electric cars, or talking about uh, the the space industry or whatever it is, and um, and I would kind of remind myself I'm like holy shit, I'm talking to Elon Musk. Like you know, and sometimes it w- I would get reminded in the funniest ways because I, I you know I talk to my friends about going to Mars all the time. You know, I want to go to Mars and we talk about, you know, it's like, and so I'm talking to him about it and talking about how, well, what's this going to be like? What year might it be? 
What's this going to be like when, when they get there? And we're talking about it. And then he says something like, yeah, well, I think, you know, probably we'll be able to send the first capsule over. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, you're the guy who's actually doing that. <laughs> like, that was always such a – I was like, oh, my God, I forgot who I'm talking to. So that happened a lot, actually. That's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. we, we need to start wrapping it up, to, Tim, just to respect your time. But I, I want to ask you a couple questions rapid fire. Are you ready for that? Let's do it. Okay. Why did you visit North Korea? Curiosity. It's like the best museum in the world. Amazing. Um, you, you talk a lot about curiosity. Why is, what does curiosity mean to you and why is it so important? I really find learning things to be fascinating. Once I learn, then it becomes even more fun to learn about that thing because now I have a basis for it. So for me, um, I'm, I'm not curious about everything, but the post topics I choose are the things I happen to really want to learn more about and uh, that I would go on a long Wikipedia spiral on my own about. So yeah, I don't know. To me, it's just uh, it's a really fun activity. And once you learn more, then it's really fun to know stuff. You can talk about it intelligently. You were on The Apprentice, were you not? I was. What is Donald Trump like in person? Um, honestly, we barely got to see yeah. him. Like, it's those things. It was a reality show. Does he have uh, tiny hands? <laughs> yeah, apparently. Um, so we don't see much more of him than the audience. Like, he's not around when, when the camera's not there. So I, I get that question a lot, and I honestly couldn't tell you any more than you know by watching TV. Amazing. That's perfect. Um, okay, last two questions. Uh, what is the legacy that you would like to leave? I was at MIT the other day doing a talk, and a couple guys come up, you know, students came up after the talk and said they're both actually going, one of them is going to uh, work at SpaceX next year, the other one's going to work in, uh, in artificial intelligence after college, uh, both because of my posts. And so that's, that's an awesome legacy. If I can just do that a lot and get, like, that, that's a way better use of me than me going into one of those things. It's just getting, like, smarter people, you know, younger people to, to dedicate their careers to some of these important things. So I think if I can do that to a ton of people, that would be a great legacy. Amazing. Thank you very much. But that's the, I mean, that's the way in these days to educate, you know, the, the, the youth of the world. It's kind of, it's kind of like what's, you know, what Carl Sagan did, uh, um, to, you know, to get people interested in space. We need more people like you to, to make it interesting and fun. Exactly. Cause you know, that you, you if someone, if one of those two kid spends 40 years of his own brain power working on one of those things that's dramatic dramatic difference than the world so yeah that, that's definitely how the role i think i've, I've realized that now i should be probably trying to play a hundred percent a hundred percent uh and then last just to wrap it up what's next what's what's one big thing that you can share that's on the horizon that you want to share with our audience and where can they find you today about two in like two hours post a huge post for and if you liked the artificial intelligence and uh, this Elon post and stuff, this is probably a good one for you. It's on cryonics, on vitrifying, freezing yourself after you, after I, uh, and the more I was going to make it a short mini post. And then I started reading about it. I said, oh no, there's so much to say here. So that's a pretty fun one. And then the other thing I would just say is that Tesla on the 31st next week is un- unveiling the Model 3, which is going to be like the iPhone. The iPhone did when it made the splash it made in the phone industry. That's about to happen. So get excited about that. And um, that should be really fun when that happens next week. Very cool. Awesome. So we'll be able to check all those out. We really, really appreciate this, Tim. Thank you so much. We, uh, we look forward to following you uh, even more in the future. We absolutely love the blog. So for, for anybody that wants to learn more about Tim, they can go to waitbutwhy.com. And you can, of course, go to mantalks.com for more podcasts, blog posts, and any videos from our events. Please, of, of course, subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher so that you never miss an episode. And we'd love it if you could leave us uh, a rating. It helps, uh, it helps send the, the podcast a long way into other people's ears. Thanks so much for listening to the Man Talks podcast. Catch us next week for another inspiring conversation with an inspiring man. Yeah.